Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I am honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two amazing children who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. I get it. It's not always easy, and we're in this together, and we have some really awesome people helping us along the way. Today is certainly no exception. We are so fortunate to have my friend and colleague, Wendy Young, here to talk to us about dealing with big, angry feelings. Now, Wendy Young is a mom of three. She's been there, done that. She is an award-winning child and adolescent therapist, early child and infant mental health consultant and the co-author of Bloom, 50 Things to Say, Think, and Do with Anxious, Angry, and Over-the-Top Kids. Her expertise include anger management, grief and loss, trauma, and behavioral disorders of childhood. She knows her stuff. Her life's work has benefited millions worldwide. She's a sought-after trainer known for her creative interventions that produce real and lasting change. I use them myself. She graduated summa cum laude from Michigan State University's School of Clinical Social Work and resides with her family in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. You can find out more about Wendy and all that she does on her website, kidlutions.blogspot.com. We certainly have some really great information coming our way for this podcast. Remember, while you may not be in the weeds with this particular challenge right now, you'll likely need to talk to your children about dealing with anger at some point in the coming days, months, or years. And for those of you who have already been in the thick of it, maybe you have a kid who is angry or intense or has big feelings. Perhaps you've already had this discussion about anger with your kids. I know this is a topic in my house. Remember, it's never one big talk, but a series of little ones. So this podcast can help provide you with maybe one, two, three extra nuggets you might not have thought of yet when the topic comes up again. And you know it will. It always does. So now there's the time. Please kindly put away all possible distractions. It's nine o'clock. It starts now. Let's make the most of it. So let's turn our attention to today's guest of honor, who has taken time out of her busy schedule to hang out, inspire us, give us some really concrete tools that she's known for and that we can take away and use right away or when in need, the very fabulous Wendy Young. Thank you so much for joining us on how to talk to kids about anything. Thing. Oh, Dr. Robin, thank you so much for having me. It is my joy to be here today. Oh, I already can feel that. You have such a presence about you, and it's like a warm blanket. We really appreciate you being here. And before we get into the real meat of the matter, for most of these other people who may have not heard you or had the opportunity to meet you, read your books, enjoy your curriculum, maybe listen to you train or speak, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning? What are you passionate about? And why in the world the topic of anger and children? Oh, my goodness, Robin. That's a loaded question. Yes, that's a, it is. It's a big question. Starting but off strong. We, <laughs> yeah, so here we go. Um, 
It is my great pleasure, first of all, to work with families and have some small influence on bringing them more joy. So joy is really important in my life, and I like to spread it wherever I can. And so working with families when they have challenges, when it seems a little bit dark and gloomy, when it seems like how are we going to pull ourselves out of this rut? I like to swoop in and have some great skills and um, skill building ideas, activities and fun things that parents can do with their children to help them in particular deal with things like anger and over the top feelings and, and anxiety and things that can really kind of put a crimp in, 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 in a child's style as well as in the parents. Oftentimes parents are left scratching their heads, you know, what do we do about this? And not every parent is a therapist, nor should they be. And the beauty of having this background of a therapist came so much in handy for me as a mom because I was a, a therapist before I became a mom. And I was working with kids with anger and anxiety and, and all of these big feelings that are hard to manage. And then all of a sudden, I have three children of my own. And when they were younger, it was very early on that I became aware of the fact that two of my three kids were blessed with extremely <laughs> intense temperaments. Extremely, <laughs> extremely. Robin. <laughs> I get it. I know it. <laughs> right. Like I was in the trenches and I still am in the trenches mm -hmm. with moms. So that's what started my quest to find uplifting strength-based approaches that parents could use so that they would feel um, the ability to support their children. Because it wasn't about me as a therapist fixing a child or helping this child become better. It was really about teaching parents skills that they could do in life, in real time, when the problems occurred. So I wanted to make it fun because I was a mom and I had worked with kids for years. I knew it had to be fun to catch their attention and I knew it had to solve a problem so that it would be something parents could go to time and time again. And then most importantly, I wanted to make sure it was developmentally appropriate, um, de depending on the child's age, to help everyone get to that place of joy. And so far, it's been a great ride. I love it. And I think it's really appreciated that you've been in the trenches, you know what's going on, you used it yourself, and that you're not just coming from an outsider's perspective. This has been your life. It's also mine. And, you know, that we've got actual children that we use these methods with. We throw away what doesn't work. We use what does. And then we can relay it to other people and say, you know what, these are really tried and true. And I think that's what you're doing. You've got hundreds of these amazing techniques that you've used yourself and that you yeah. can actually stand behind and say, this works. Absolutely. In fact, many of the, the resources that I created were created initially either for my own children or for children, real children with whom I worked. And mm -hmm. then I just developed and honed those over time for sure. Awesome. So you talk so much about these big feelings and certainly about anger being one of them. One of the things that I notice is that some kids seem to manage angry feelings with, you know, really great ease. They're just, I somehow let it roll off their back or they just know to do the right thing. Others struggle a bit. And what makes it so challenging for some of these kids to deal with anger and not for others? In short, like, why is it that some kids react so intensely? 
Yes. Well, there's really good reason for that. But before we get to the answer, this is something that I think is really important to mention. And that is children who don't react very largely, or they seem to keep it kind of under wraps, and they just kind of go with the flow and things roll off their shoulders. Those are the kind of kids that make us feel really like we know what we're doing. They make Mm -hmm. us feel really (laughs) at ease. They make us feel successful as parents and as educators, and as people who work with children. And then when we have a child who really kind of falls apart at the seams, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Those children make us feel overwhelmed sometimes and get us to feeling like we have no clue what we're doing and and how we got into this in the first place. And there's a really good reason behind why some children handle things with such ease while others may struggle quite a bit. And temperament, in large part, has a lot to do with how we experience or um, respond to our feelings. And um, years ago, I I still have this friend, but years ago, when, when our kids were little, she was telling me a story. She's an OB nurse. So she She's in the newborn nursery and she even said, wow, she said, babies are born and they come out. And she said, and some will lie there and they'll say "Eh, eh," when they're hungry or they're tired or or they need to be rocked or whatever. And others are screaming Mm. at the top of their lungs. And she said, in those moments, you look at those babies and you think, wow, this is a really laid back baby. And here's a really intense baby. And she said, when I hand that intense baby over to mom, when she's leaving the hospital, I want to say to her, good luck and give her her a little wink. She said, because we can see temperament in that newborn nursery. And it's very true that we are born with our brains being wired up in certain ways. It can be there. You can have five children in one family with the same parenting techniques, the same sort of lifestyle. And all of these children may respond very differently. So um, I think looking at temperament is a really important thing. And for us to really celebrate the temperament our child was born with and figure out ways to support that child, regardless of whether they're easygoing and take everything in stride or they're falling apart at the steams and blowing up at every turn of the corner for us. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I'm also blessed with one and one and, uh, uh, sometimes I'm, uh, I got two. And mm-hmm. so I, I, we really have to deal with these, you know, these angry feelings a lot. And I, I agree with you that the, the temperament is in there and, you know, we've got genes going on as well that make it so, uh, this is how it is. But <laughs> before we get into the tips for helping kids who react so intensely, um, you know, really what to do and what to say, I'd love to turn our attention to the parents and educators who are listening in today. So what makes the parents and the caregivers such important allies when it comes to helping the kids manage these big, angry feelings? Yeah, well, you know, really when it comes down to it, we are all they've got. Because when we look at pure brain science and we know that the emotional part of the brain is much larger than the the cognitive part of the brain or the prefrontal cortex, which is still growing until we're in our mid-20s, we know that children's reactions can be very over the top and we know that they require guidance and support from the adults in their world. And so kids really count on us, um, parents and caregivers and educators, to help them out of a rut. And for really intense kids, we are the best chance they have, really, at navigating those big, messy feelings. And we have to be up to the challenge, don't we? Um, We have to be able to see this angry child as somebody who is struggling, um, struggling with feelings, and they need our help. Not look at this child as someone who's out to get us or make our lives miserable. And we, when we can change that and we have a perceptual shift about that, this child needs my help versus this child is out to get me amazing things can start to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things I like to say, Robin, is that we have to remember that we're the bigger people in the bigger bodies with the bigger brains. And we have to use our knowledge, our skills, and our own ability to self-regulate to be able to engage in helping that child learn how to do the same. And that process is called co-regulation. So we have what's called self-regulation and co-regulation. Self-regulation is how do I manage my own big, intense feelings? And co-regulation is we all do this in, with our children. We do it with our spouses and our partners and our co-workers. Co-regulation is how I use my brain to help regulate your brain. And there's this delicate dance that goes back and forth. So instead of looking at a child who's kind of in the throes of a meltdown and saying, you need to stop this right now, young man, we'd be saying, hey, I'm here to help you. This looks like this feeling is really big. And I like to picture myself like a butler with a towel over my hand. I'm at your service. What can I do for you? Um, how may I help you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when the kids know that you're on their side, then yes. they feel like they have the support they can feel how they're feeling, but that yes. they have, they, they can get some help. They can reach out. They're not in this alone. Yes, Robin. And you know, the thing is, I, I've actually used that terminology with kids before. I'm in your corner. I'm on your side. And when we do that, we have done something very powerful in aligning ourselves with that child. And we join up with them. We're no longer pitted against them. We're not focused on making them stop as much as we're aligned and in a position of service with them. And that changes everything. Mm -hmm. I I love what you're saying here. And, you know, really it helps because then we are able to say to ourselves, I can be helpful in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not just letting something happen. And this child is not, you know, behaving in this way because of a choice. They're behaving like this because they need some help. The the feeling is too big. That's what it seems like you're saying. Absolutely. Yes, the the feeling is so, it's way bigger than that child is. And and sometimes when I'm talking with children, when, when they're in the throes of that feeling, I might say to them, how big is your feeling right now? Could it press on the walls? Would it lift the ceiling? Would it blow the roof off? Mm-hmm. Is it as big as a lake or an ocean? Or is it a typhoon? What? So children can become very descriptive. Mm-hmm. And when they get that opportunity to really describe how big that feeling is for them, we have taken them then out of their emotional brain and up to their, their prefrontal cortex. So it becomes more of a cognitive thing. And right then and there, we're lessening the effect that that emotion is having on them. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And we we were able to talk to somebody who you have do a lot of work with, Lynn Kenny, yeah. who also talked a little bit about some of these how big is your anger and yes. you know and 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 allowing them to maybe even draw it or yes. you know explain it in a different way. Um, and I think that's great cuz kids are so concrete and yes. you know, it can be really helpful for them to describe it in that method, you know, that cuz anger is so seems so figurative you know it's it's elusive mm-hmm. it's hard to hard to it explain is. and yet we can start to explain it by talking about how big is it where do you feel it you know we talk about that in my house you know where yeah. do you feel it they know that I feel my anger in my belly my husband tends to feel it in his chest and his jaw you know we talk about these things and that makes it more tangible for those young yes. kids 
Yes, those are those are fabulous techniques, fabulous ways to help children identify what anger is to them because it's it, it's very much a personal thing, isn't it? Like how, how I experience anger is, is very different. And as you're speaking and you're talking about you feel it in your belly, um, I'm thinking, yeah, I feel it in my arms. I, it's in my arms that I feel it. So yes, yes. Interesting. And yeah, so it does feel different for everyone. And even, you know, my kids are able to say where they feel it. My son's talking about it in his hands, he feels it. So it's not surprising that mm-hmm. he feels like he wants to hit something when right. he gets angry, right? You know, yes. my daughter tends to feel it in her belly and her chest. It's not surprising that she wants to yell, right? Yes. She wants to get it out. So, you know, it starts to make some sense when you step back and say, oh, okay, now we're connecting this. How big is it? What does it feel like to what you do? Yes. And, you know, I, I love that because as you're as you're talking and you're sharing this with me, it makes me think about what's our next step there. You know, when you have a child who's talking about it's in my arms or it's in my hands and obviously they want the uh, hitting seems to be a natural byproduct mm-hmm. of that. Um what else can we do yes. with your hands when you get angry? What do we do next? And what can we do instead of hitting that might not cause problems for you or for anyone else? And and then if you feel it in your chest and, and, and you're screaming, what can you do instead? What is something that can get that energy out? Because I say, I've said this for a very long time, emotion is energy in motion. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come out one way or another. So when we're doing the things that you're doing with your children at home, talking about how big is it and where do you feel it? And then we're giving a skill that can be used in a replacement behavior. We are well on our road to doing this so well and having our kids be able to manage these over-the-top feelings. Mm. Well, then we should get into it. I know that you talk in your books, and I have listened to your anger teleseminar. Those of you who are listening to this, this uh, anger toolbox teleseminar was really helpful to me because it's filled with really awesome tips that I have been using with my own kids. One of the things you talked about is the anger merry-go-round that we get on. Um, so before we you know, get into like all the good stuff, like, can you just tell us what that is and why it's important that we get off the merry-go-round so we can employ your tips? Sure. I just use that. And thank you for your kind comments about that anger toolbox that I have. Thank you so much. Um, And you know what? That was helpful to me because I developed that living and work, living with my own children Mm -hmm. and working with children who had anger problems. So um, the anger merry-go-round was just simply a really playful way to me to um, to kind of bring this concept to life. And it's basically this vicious cycle and it becomes this anger merry-go-round. And it's quite simple. It's children get angry. Number one, they act out. Number two, Baby, they're, they're punished for acting out, mm. for having anger, for having a feeling that they don't know what to do with. We then punish them, and then more anger ensues. Then they act out again, and this cycle mm. just continues on and on. Anger, acting out, punishment, and more anger. And the way we get off that anger mm-hmm. merry-go-round is we start teaching skills. Mm-hmm. We build skills, and that's the stuff that you're talking about, Dr. Robin. We're helping them identify where they're feeling it. We're talking, helping them identify how big it is. And then we're asking them, you know, what else can you do with your mad hands? What else can you do with that big feeling inside your chest or in your heart? And we're giving them new skills, and we're supporting and scaffolding that new skill as it develops as well. So, you know, for the kids, and this happens to us at home too, um, with one of our kids, where we're trying to talk about it and try, you know, to find out what else can you do. And, and they're, you know, they're, they just push it off sometimes. They're like, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what else to do. So that then leaves it in our court as in mm-hmm. 
maybe presenting some options. So what are some concrete tips? Like what, what are we supposed to do when we're on the merry-go-round? We desperately want to get off and we need to employ some skills. You're, you're so masterful with these skills. One of them I used from your teleseminar was a bug and a wish, which I'd love for you to explain that because um, we actually use that. My kids actually use it. It works like a dream. Um, so if you could tell us about that and maybe a few other skills that we can use with our children when they're in the throes of anger or maybe about to be or right after whatever it makes sense. That would be awesome. Yeah, so a bug and a wish is really, um, it's it's just when when we're upset, instead of saying you always or you made me or I don't like when, we're saying it bugs me when. So we're basically saying I feel, and I do this with really young children. I've taught this to children as young as three, and I've worked, I've done um, family therapy and marital therapy where I've used this concept even for adults because it works with our spouses or our partners as well, does it not? Yes, Um, I think it works with everyone. Yes, so it's like, so we, I actually have a stuffed bug, like a stuffed animal that's like a big ladybug, like a bug, Mm -hmm. and then I have um, a magic wand that I made, a really big magic wand, and it's a bug and a wish, and you have these tangible products that you can hold in your hand. And the whole premise is, it bugs me when, so you're saying what the troublesome behavior is, it bugs me when you knock my blocks over and I wish you would be more careful. So not only are you saying, uh, there's something that's bothering me, but you're saying, here's what you can do to make it different. So you're giving information as well as saying, you're setting limits. I do or do not like this. I don't care for this. It bugs me when you kick the back of my chair and I wish you would keep your feet to yourself. Or I wish you would go get some exercise to run off some of that energy. Um, those sorts of things. Is that does that make sense, Robin? Oh, it absolutely does. I, it's just um, it's amazing. Like I had listened to it, and then I, I think it was the next day or the same day, my son was getting really irritated because my daughter was looking over his shoulder. That's something that irritates me too. He's looking over his shoulder while he was trying to read something and she was chewing in his ear. Um, And he was like Mm -hmm. just saying her name over and over again, which actually isn't helpful because they don't know what they're doing. They just know that they're annoying somebody. And in siblings, that's a win, right? I mean, they love that. So (laughs) so I said, I want you to say, it bugs me when... then explain what she's doing and then you know I wish and he's like it bugs me when you chew in my ear I wish you would go over there (laughs) and I was like Mm -hmm. yes perfect (laughs) did she listen did she she totally did I'm like it it was like it was amazing because I thought if you were standing there you'd be like it it, is that it was the perfect illustration it had worked the very first time I used it oh my gosh that makes me so happy and guess what you've given them a new skill to use that they can remember and use over and over and you may have to remind them or or coach them and because that's one of our biggest jobs as parents often is teaching a skill and then coaching coaching it Mm -hmm. you know continuing to say remember we talked about or remember we agreed that Um, and I love that terminology too like teaching our kid our, our child a new skill and then saying um, and I'll, I'll remind you if you forget, if we get to the point where there's a hard time or a rough time, mm. I'll remind you and we say, remember, we agreed that we would use a bug and a wish. Mm-hmm. And that can be really helpful for kids also. So yeah, I've used that and I still use that even with my husband, the bug and a, it bugs me when you forget to take the trash out. Mm. And I wish you would let me know, you could text me or whatever if you forgot and I'll be happy to help. So right, the whole compromise thing, but yeah, so it works for all of us across our lifespan. It really mm-hmm. does. Could you give us maybe two more like of those 
easy to employ skills when a child may be about to get into the anger cycle or if they're in there that we could use right away. Yes. And so one of the things we know is that when we are, I say, held hostage in our emotional brain, um, those moments when we're getting there, we know we have some kind of physical, um, some sort of a physical cue that tells us this is happening. And for some of us, it's our tensing muscles. Mm -hmm. For some of us, it's a a faster heart rate. Mm -hmm. Some of us may start sweating. So helping kids realize those cues that their body is, our body is built to work with us. So really, our body is our friend. It's telling us, "Uh uh-oh, something's not right. We need to do something to help ourselves now. And I recommend a mad box. And I, I do this for early childhood programs I consult to. And I certainly had these in my home when my children are younger. So a mad box is simply a shoe box into which you would put a can of Play-Doh or some kind of clay. You would put some um, paper and some coloring, uh, some crayons or some colored pencils. Children have the opportunity with Play-Doh to pound, pinch, mm-hmm. pull it apart. Um, and that is really therapeutic. And the beauty of Play-Doh is that it all goes back together inside the can with a lid on it, which is very symbolic of containing something, mm-hmm. just like we can contain our anger. Mm-hmm. And then pictures, the paper and the picture, we can draw pictures of what's making us angry. And some children have said to me, I don't like to draw. And yes. I have said, that is okay. Yes. That's perfect. It's perfect that you don't like to draw. You can draw the biggest angry X's all over that page. You can draw letters or numbers or slashes or whatever you feel like doing. And then we have the opportunity to say to them, what do you want to do with that anger now? Do you want to rip it up and jump mm-hmm. on it and throw it away? Would you like to put it in the in the freezer and cool it down? Mm. Um, which then is a, a very physical activity because for young children, if you're at home, you have to pull a chair over to the freezer, stand up on the chair, put it in the freezer, mm-hmm. close the door, take the chair back and check on it at intervals. Intervals. Did it calm down? Has your, has your anger chilled out yet? And so we're giving children the idea that it doesn't stay, that, that feeling doesn't stay that big forever. It will eventually subside, just like waves that crash against, you know, the, 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 the shoreline. Mm-hmm. They do eventually recede and go away. That is another key point is teaching children that feelings don't stay so big forever. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we can do that is by saying, when this feeling isn't so big for you, or one day when this isn't so hard, which gives them hope. And hope is huge when it comes to Mm. managing big feelings. Okay, okay. Um, So we have the mad box, Mm -hmm. and we have our bug and a wish, Mm -hmm. okay? And then what do we do when, when things subside, Mm -hmm. is there something that we should be doing with the child once the Play-Doh is done, once the drawing is done that helps us to maybe reconnect or understand, or maybe we had a, a, a time with it this time and we got really frustrated. What, what, what do we do then? And I think that it's, yeah, we always want to process that with the child afterwards and ask, well, how do you think that went for you? And are you feeling calm now? Is there anything else you need from me? And if, because we are human beings ourselves, if we happen to raise our voice, which has been known, mm-hmm. which we're all, we've all been oh, known yeah. to do, yes, right? right? Yes, yes. Um, because not one of us is perfect. But yeah. I always say this, who better to raise a human child than a fellow human being? Yeah. And so we are then demonstrating to them that, hey, sometimes I lose it too. And guess what? I can say to you, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to yell. I wish I had calmed myself down more first. And then we can also talk with them more about how do we do this better next time? What can we do the next time this happens? Um, we 
also want to do things on a regular basis with children, which I think is really important. And that is talking about feelings on, on mm-hmm. uh, just on a typical day, across the day, um, make it part of our normal conversation. This is the thing. Sometimes kids don't have any clue how much frustration and anger parents may deal with because we kind of do it as a mental process, right? Right. But we didn't start doing it as a mental process. Somebody had to walk us through those those steps. And so what we can do, one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is let's say we just got off the phone with somebody who may have shared some upsetting news mm-hmm. to us. We may get off the phone and instead of just taking deep breaths, mm-hmm. we might say, oh, that made me really upset. I, You know what? I'm really frustrated right now. I am going to take three deep breaths mm-hmm. and calm myself down. We're actually walking through the steps that we're doing. We're doing it out loud yes. so our children can see what it looks like right. and they get a model, right? We're modeling that behavior. Yes. And so we want to do that. We also want to teach skills that are physical Physical skills, sensory skills, soothe the limbic system or the emotional part of the brain. So yoga moves, um, any kind of physical activity seems to discharge emotion. Also, running around the outside of the house and breathing is the number one line of defense when it comes to dealing with big feelings. So we should all be working with our children on taking deep breaths, like really deep breaths Mm -hmm. and holding it, holding it, and then letting it out slowly, slowly. And that is key. When we let that breath out really slowly, it's actually helping calm our systems down more. So that is the key is letting that breath out really slowly. And I call that birthday cake breathing. Pretend like you're blowing out candles on a birthday cake. And it's not a strong like... Mm-hmm. But it's really a, a low, a prolonged breath, and that really calms. Lynn, Dr. Lynn Kenny may have talked with you about vagal tone because we do a lot about the vagus nerve and the the, the vagal tone. And I don't know if she did or didn't, but that that mm-hmm. nerve runs the length of our body and enervates almost all of our organs. Mm-hmm. Has a huge impact when we exhale very slowly. It calms down the vagal nerve. And it calms down the rest of our body. So that's key. Yes, that is beautiful. Yes, she did mention that, but I think it stands repeating. And uh, I love the the blowing out the candles and the birthday cake. I use that as well. I even say, I want you to smell the birthday cake yes. and then blow out the candles. Yes. yes. Oh, how wonderful. And, uh, it, you know, it's. It, I think it's, it's something that we can use uh, my daughter has reflected back to me before you know I think you need to take a breath <laughs> she's very assertive <laughs> yes. that way which yes. is good it's a good reminder because once you've been doing it for a long time you know the kids start to get into the rhythm and you know they're modeling back what they see which I think yes. is important and, and I love what you say about speaking out loud because we we tend not to process things out loud when especially when our children are listening but it is really a good time to do that when they're they're understanding that you have feelings that you sometimes have trouble processing them in in the immediate form and that right. that it's okay um, and that we can use these techniques techniques that we talk to kids about, even for ourselves. We're human and we're all in this together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to bring that, that, that point home, the whole, the talking out loud thing, I, I've, I've seen this um, beautifully demonstrated in an early childhood classroom to which I was consulting. I was just doing observations in the classroom. There stood this little four-year-old boy building this block tower and it was taller than he was, but every time he'd start getting it up to his, the the height of his head, it would knock over because it was, it was wobbly. And this child 
This child stuck with it. He was persistent. He never gave up and he had grit. Grit is something that's really important to all children, the not giving up part. But this is what he was doing. He was talking out loud to himself the entire time. He said, let's pretend his name is Johnny. He's like, Johnny, it's okay. Johnny, try again. Johnny, don't worry about it. And so obviously somebody had worked with this beautiful child at home Mm -hmm. in talking through. It works in an amazing way. So yes, we, we need to do more of that and be very intentional about it. In so many ways, the parents give the scripts to the children of how to deal with things when they get angry. And we hear it when it goes wrong too, right? Everything that's reflected back to us, we're like, oh, yep, they got that from me. Um, But we can also provide the scripts on the positive end and, and say, oh, yeah. Like that is what comes out of my mouth when I get angry. And now he or she is saying it too. I love that. Yes, yes. So when... Should we, you know, when what can we do when we're talking to the kids about anger? Like, what are the words that actually should come out of our mouth? Either when things are quiet and relaxed and we're talking about feelings, or maybe after something has happened, or what, when, what can you give us in terms of how to deal with anger when things have subsided and we're ready to talk? Because who can talk when they're screaming angry? Right, Nobody exactly, can. exactly. That's right in the heat of the moment, right? That's right when we're in the thick of it. And that's when we're doing sensory activities. That's mm-hmm. when we're doing, would you like to splash cold water on your face and let your anger go down the drain? Mm-hmm. Would you like to pound on some Play-Doh? Would you like to run around the house with me outside? Um, or if you live in a winter climate, like I do, should we run in place for five minutes and see how much anger we can jump out? Um, we're doing a physical activity with children when they're in the throes of of those big, messy feelings. But in general, when things have calmed down, like either before um, a meltdown or maybe after when things mm-hmm. have calmed down, I like to use this acronym that I just kind of came up with before we talked today, and that mm-hmm. is NOW, N-O-W, NOW. Here's how we can help children. N stands for normalize. We want to normalize that anger is something that's part of the human experience. And I always like to tell kids, all feelings are okay. It's what you do with them that counts. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets angry. It's okay to be mad, but it's not okay to hurt anyone or ourselves when we are angry. Because some children self-injure when they're angry. They may Mm -hmm. be angry. They may bang their head. They may pound themselves or hit themselves. So all feelings are okay. We want to normalize. That's the end part. The O part is offer strategies or offer opportunities. So keep with that O theme. We want to let children know that there are things they can do when the going gets tough. And we want to provide these ideas and suggestions for children if they cannot come up with them on their own. For particularly young children, what I used to do with my own when they were little or with young children that I work with now is I would do pictures. I would do a picture of a ball for bounce a ball or a picture of somebody running to run, you know, for running when you get angry, Mm -hmm. Um, a picture of a big cloud breathing like for wind, like for for, to remind them to breathe Mm -hmm. and to have those available. And you could even tape those low on your refrigerator or low on a bulletin board. So children are starting to have a sense of. Um, their own empowerment that I can manage this feeling. I know just what to do. Let me go look at my board and see what it tells me to do. I can breathe. I can bounce a ball. Um, I can go for, I can run around in my house or run in place. Um, So normalize, offer a strategy. And then the third one is working with children. The W stands for work. Work with children 
on a regular basis on managing big feelings. And we do that by saying, by being very emotionally available to them. And we are much more emotionally available to them when we are calm ourselves. Mm. And so we want to say to them, I'm here for you. You can ask for my help whenever you need it. And I'm going to do my best to help you manage that big, messy feeling. Um, so, um, and as you know, Dr. Lynn Kenny and I do a lot of work together. And so one of the things we like to envision is this child, when they're really in the throes of this, this fit or this meltdown, it's almost like they're taking this, this feeling and they're handing it over to you and saying, take this, mm-hmm. handle it. I don't know what to do with this feeling anymore. And then we can swing into action as the helper, as the assistant. Yeah. So remember her saying in the podcast, can I hold that for you? I thought that was so yes. beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful way of helping children. And you just bring something up in, in my head when you say that we need to be emotionally available. And to me, that also says that we need to get our buckets filled. We need to make sure that we're getting the support we need uh, when we're getting frustrated, whether it's from family or from friends. I think it's important that we reach out and be truthful with other parents. Be truthful with whomever you feel like can support you. And what, if you don't have somebody that they can find somebody like you who can help them. Because if anger gets to be such a part of your family that you're unable to deal with it yourself because you've got nobody filling your bucket, then we got to find somebody because who can operate that way? Oh, it's vital. It's so important that we take care of ourselves and our own stuff and that we have a place to put that, that we have somebody that helps us hold our stuff when it gets too big, um, whether that be a spouse or a partner or a friend. Um, some people are really close with their coworkers, whoever that person may be that you find them. And if you don't feel comfortable sharing your business with other people, mm-hmm. finding a good therapist right. or life coach who can support you and, you know, just kind of... Um, be your cheerleader quietly from the sidelines and, and help you through those tougher times that you're having. One of the people that I interviewed uh, is uh, Dr. Dara Harris, and she was saying that it's like you're the driver of the bus. And if you're not, be, if you're not getting your bucket filled, if you're not feeling you know, settled and safe, how could, how could you keep everybody else safe on the bus? How could you help anybody else on the bus? So I, I couldn't agree with you more on making sure that you at least have somebody, whether it's somebody in your family, a friend, or yes, a good therapist. Right, right. And we have to lead by example, right? I mean, that is how children learn. They're watching every move. They're watching everything we say and do. And even our facial expressions and our body language, we lead by example. So yes, very important. So if there was one tip that you would want parents and educators to take away from this podcast on anger, what would it be? So the biggest tip is watch how you, it's the, really, it's the use of ourselves and how we remain calm. Our ability to keep our cool and walk our children through the process of calming themselves down is going to contribute significantly to their ability to learn self-regulation skills. We are the model for that self-regulation and how well we are, you know, how our ability to remain calm, calm ourselves 
directly impacts our, our children in two ways. One is through co-regulation, which we talked about earlier, and the other is through modeling. They just, they're watching us to see, how do I handle this? Mm-hmm. Our kids watch us to figure out how to handle every task imaginable. And it's no different when it comes to managing intense, angry, or over-the-top feelings. So we give a template to our children, and we, we show them every day, this is what it looks like to manage emotions, or to manage anger, or to manage over-the-top feelings. And we always want to lead by example. A really good point for almost any type of skill that we're teaching, but I think in this case, uh, anger is a really important one because we know that when we're extremely frustrated with a child for showing anger, and I, I, I point my point myself out in this situation, mm. a child is yelling and screaming, and then you wind yes. up yelling and screaming. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this yes. is not helping anything. Although I'm I'm guilty of it. Like I yes. I know that I am guilty yeah. of of yelling yes. back. Um, and needing to calm myself down, um, the irony is not lost on me that you're like, you need to stop yelling. You know, you're like, wait a second. I can direct that towards myself. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what, uh, Dr. Robin, the, the truth of the matter is I never ask of parents that they do anything that I haven't had to do myself. Right. So I've been there. I totally have been there. And this idea that, you know what, we're always working on becoming the best version of ourselves. That includes, you know, us as parents and as experts. We're always working on that. It should be a lifelong journey process. And so when we can, you know, say to our children, you know, I really messed up there or, you know what, that was a mistake. I wish I, I wish I had handled that differently, but I didn't. But guess what? I get a do over. We get to start over. What a a beautiful concept, right? Yes. I say parenting is the ultimate do over. Thank goodness. (laughs) We have every day a new opportunity to get it right. Absolutely. You know what? And and even more than that, I go down to the microseconds, like the second hand on the clock. Whoa, that second didn't go very well. Here's my chance to start over again. Right, right, right. I, every once in a while, I, my friend and I talk about this, where you get like the little little person on your shoulder, and you're like, really, really, was yeah. that the best you could do? But yeah. instead of shaming ourselves, we can just outwardly apologize and yeah. and say, you know, I'm going to do this better. We can employ the skills right then and there. Taking yeah. those deep breaths. I'll take a shower when I get you know really steamed and feel like I need to just keep myself away for that moment. And then come back and you're stronger and better able to deal with the problem. Oh, so true. So true. And, you know, one other thing that I'm thinking of while we're still here is this idea that, you know, as as therapists and as experts and both of us being moms at the same time, it's a really unique position and Mm -hmm. and, uh, to be in because I once had a friend say to me, how do you manage this? How do you do this? Because here you are, like you're an expert on one hand, and then you have children of your own who might have big intense mm-hmm. feelings and get out of control sometimes and lose lose their hookup or or have a meltdown and you know I, and it occurred to me at that point in time you know you're right but here's the reality I'm a human being and my children are human beings. And we're not exempt from that because I'm a therapist or an expert. We are going to have our feelings and we're entitled to them. The truth of the matter is my children will be typically developing children and do what children do. And my role is to decide how to respond to them effectively and lovingly and in a supportive manner that's going to bring them closer to the best version of themselves. Not you know, not engaging my defensive brain when their defensive brain is coming out with claws out that I then have to be in my highest thinking part of my brain and be at their service with as that butler with Mm -hmm. the towel over my hand so yeah so it's a unique position isn't it It to 
to be a therapist, but then also to realize the very human side of being a human being. Right. We need to respond to them lovingly and honestly to ourselves. You know, we have to be sweet to ourselves because, you know, we are human, just as you said, and it's not always going to go perfectly. It's not by the book. There's no book that's going to say, this is how you, the perfect parent is going to act in this situation. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Well, I loved all of this. Can you give us the resource of the week? Where should they go to get more information about this topic, about you? What do you want them to do? So, so yes, you can go to kidlutions.com and there will be a link at the top that says blog. When you get to my blog, the Kid Lucians blog is always, there's a little space where you can type in um, a topic. Mm -hmm. If you type, if you type anger or anger management in that um, little search bar, it will pull up multiple, multiple, multiple um, blog posts and articles, tips and ideas to help kids deal with anger. We have printables that are free. We have the Anger Toolbox uh, um, podcast. It's an MP3 download that's free. We have lots of materials that can support parents in their quest to better support their children. Well, I definitely tell everybody to go and do these things because you really, your stuff is so tangible. It is so helpful. You give us so much to choose from. I have yes. I have Bloom in my house. I, I've gone on the teleseminar and listened to your work. I've read your articles and I feel like they provide tips that you can actually use right away, which is always appreciated. It's not like you're yeah. sitting there talking about all this theory and then right. you just send us on our way. You actually provide right. real tips that we can use oh. right then and there. Oh, Dr. Robin, that that just brings me such joy to hear because that is my intent. That's what I set out to do is to help people in real time right now when the going gets tough and to be able to give them a strategy that they can put into place and get back to joy, which is so important. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You are such a friend to everybody when it comes to this topic and it it really feels like we're being loved through this. And I just, I love what you said about um, offering those strategies and working with the children and making sure that you are calm yourself because that makes a big difference. So thank you for bringing in the tips and the scripts and all the steps that you provided today. I think we'll use them and use them again and again. Dr. Robin, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I'll tell you what, what I'm going to do is take some of the stuff we talked about and I'll put it in written form on the blog also, like the NOW, the now, like how we can talk with kids. I'll go ahead and and get a post started. That'll be up in the next uh, couple. It'll be up by the time people are listening to this podcast. They can just look for it. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I hope you have yours. I want to discuss them. So come up onto Facebook. Go to Dr. Robin Silverman's page. So it's facebook.com slash Dr. Robin Silverman, or let's chat about it on drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. I have no doubt that Wendy Young will come and visit us when we are talking about all of this. Maybe she can answer some, some of our personal questions. Would you do that? Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Okay. So if you love this podcast, like I did, would you kindly go up to iTunes, rate it so that others can listen to Wendy Young, talk about these outstanding solutions online, use them in their own homes. I really would appreciate it. We want to get that word out. 
And that's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it seems like nothing is going right and we all have those days, you've got this. You're here and you're getting the information you need. And on the days that we fall short, and you know we all have them, never forget that there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I know you. I get it. And as there are moments when we all doubt our know-how, our choices, our very sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.